Hello, and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. On May 11th, Fidelity Investments Canada hosted Focus 2023, a day-long event for advisors featuring Fidelity's portfolio managers, subject matter experts, and thought leaders. Sessions ran both on stage in Vancouver to a live audience and from our Toronto studio for a crowd of thousands more online. On today's podcast, we're bringing you portfolio manager Hugo Lavallee's session from the event, sitting down with host Catherine Black. Hugo manages several funds, including the Greater Canada Fund and the Canadian Opportunities Fund. Hugo speaks about his contrarian approach to investing. He says his style is just to live at the bottom, to live in those difficult moments. He explains that valuation matters. He says a good business that's fallen on hard times, you may not see its value yet, but if you wait for a change, it could be a change in management, a change in the board. If you wait for that element of change, it can be magical. If that stock doubles, it could effectively give five years of strong returns in months. Hugo explains how he deals with volatility in the markets. He says he does this through research, reacting quickly, and being ready for when the time comes to make a move. He adds sometimes his team works for years on companies. For him, he's not interested at the current price. He waits for moments of shock, like when COVID happened. Those times of shock can create opportunities. He says his current strategy is to focus on active alternative managers and private equities. He's focused on tech, industrials, transportation and rail, but not so much consumer stocks. And in terms of geography, he's still mainly focused on North America and Europe. Please note you will also hear references to a few slides that were displayed to the room. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada, ULC, or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Good to have you in Vancouver. How's it been? It's nice to see you in person. Yeah, it's really good. It's good to be uh, back again here in Vancouver in person. And, you know, we're finally lapping a year of uh, doing work in person. And, look, I think it's been, it's been good... Uh, it's been good for us at Fidelity, right? Not only to see clients, but uh, to work together as a team. I think over the last 13 months, I've probably been nine times to Toronto. So uh, working with the analysts there. And uh, also we were doing the typical uh, Peter Lynch, you know, kicking the tires of the companies mm-hmm. again, right? So visiting companies at their headquarters, mm-hmm. having lunch and dinner with them, establishing um, relationships, which is important. And, uh, you know, we have a young Canadian analyst, Claire Fleming, and mm-hmm. she covers metals for us. So she's been traveling the world and visiting mine. So after a, a really tough two years to be back, you know, on, on, on the treadmill, but to be back in person, it's good. And I think, frankly, you see it a little bit in my numbers, right? The collaboration in person is, uh, is helping. And is that the same consensus when you're meeting with these companies? Everyone's pretty excited to be back, pretty excited to welcome people in? have those live conversations? No, I think it's good. It's good for us because, you know, if you're, you know, sharing uh, 
chimichangas like I did a few weeks ago in Tucson, Arizona with the CEO of a company and the CFO, you know, you establish those relationships. So, you know, that's a good trip, but also it's good for the future, right? If something mm -hmm. happens and you want to talk to them fast, it just can make a small difference. Absolutely. We're going to dive back into that, but I want to touch on this because I thought it summarized you perfectly. I was doing a little bit of research uh, in preparation for today, and you did a Global Mail article back in 2001 in October. You had a lovely picture sitting on a stoop with your dog, um, but they asked you, why do you shy away from the herd? So do you remember this? Yes. Okay. Do you remember what you said? Uh, no, but you have it written down. I do. So, so I'm going to read it. <laughs> He's ahead of the game. So you said, it's in my DNA. I walk my dog, but I avoid crowds. I go to lunch early. I ski early or late. I try to find a Tim Hortons with fewer cars in the drive-thru. I put on winter tires early, and I laugh at the people who get caught in the snowstorm first. I bring the same to the stock market. I look where there's less competition. I think that is a perfect summary of who you are as an investor. It's great. So I'm going to use those as a segue into talking to us about your contrarian investing approach. Yeah, so contrarian's a lifestyle, right? Like you just said. And um, look, you need a differentiated approach to have differentiated returns, right? So what would you hear from today? And what did you hear, right? Jeff Moore, differentiated guy with differentiated views, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Dan and Don, differentiated style. So it's important to be like differentiated, right? Sometimes we have young analysts that come to me and say, I got a great idea. It's going to grow top line 4 to 6%. They're going to expand margin, you know, 1%, and it trades at a 4% free cash flow yield, and it's like amazing. That's a market return. Mm -hmm. That's not going to get us ahead, right? So you need to do something different to get ahead. And for me, my style is that contrarian style, just to live at the bottom, to live in those really difficult moments. Um, you know, you're, you're looking for the pain point. Like a company that two years earlier people would have agreed it's a really good business, and now people are unsure anymore. And I think valuation matters. I think it matters at extremes. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of time we talk ourselves out of stocks because you know it's 17 times earnings and you wish you could buy at 14. But I think at extremes, valuation really matters. And if you can get what people thought earlier was a really good business, and how it's fallen on super hard times. So it's really cheap on some sort of differentiated metrics. And you think that something positive could happen. Now, you don't see it yet, because if you could see it, then it would be at the valuation it is. But you think there's going to be a, an element of change. And the change can be a change in management, a change in the board. Sometimes companies are sold. Sometimes it's a change in strategy. But you need some element of change. Mm -hmm. And look, I make mistakes all the time. I'd be a terrible surgeon, right? <laughs> so oops, made a mistake, lost another patient. But luckily. <laughs> You know, I'm not a surgeon. And in the stock market, if you can pick those points, it can be really magical. Like you can have a stock double, which is effectively five years of really strong returns in months. So when you're able to, to nail it and nail the bottom, you can have really, that can paper over other losses and you can really have differentiated returns. Excellent. So still go to your local hospital if, if you need anything done. <laughs> GAA actually was just talking about how um, they can use their underlying managers in defensive times, and they said they lean on folks such as yourself in those times of volatility to do the hard work, make those good decisions. So do you focus on any specific metrics using your contrarian style? Yeah, a lot of them. So um, you know, in the past, if you heard me speak and in Arizona um, and other places I've talked about last year, some of the metrics that I you use, like EV to sales, EV to maintenance, price to book, price to net cash, uh, 
uh, one that's a little bit um, maybe uh, specific to me, price to previous peak earnings to kind of anchor some sort of value where it traded at the past. Can they go back to those earnings? So there's a bunch of different tools and metrics that I use. I think at the end of the day, it's more about getting ready. You know, Andrew talked about this this morning. It's a grind. Our business is a grind. Mm -hmm. And I think we've glamorized it with town cars and five-star hotels and, you know, business class flights. But at, at its core, it's a research job and it's a grind. Mm -hmm. And you're always trying to learn more and more and more and more about companies to be ready. Because when these, these contrarian moments happen, they tend to be short. So sometimes they're weeks. Sometimes they're days. And sometimes there are even hours, right? So you have to be able to react quickly, especially if you want to react with volume. It's pretty rare that you have months, right? The velocity of the stock market has really gone up right over the last mm -hmm. 20, 30, 40 years. So you have to be ready. So what I'm always trying to do is try to get ready. You know, Andrew talked this morning about having a list by his keyboard. I carry a little black book that has a list of stocks also in it. And some of them have prices for triggers. Some are just names I want to add on for beta when I want to add to the, to the portfolio. So there's, there's different approaches, but you, you do all this work ahead of time. Sometimes we work for years on companies I'm not interested in at the current price. But then some exogenous shock happens, like COVID, that creates opportunities. And then you have, like COVID, like in the stock market, was basically done in three weeks, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so you have to be able to react really, really quickly. And it's really in those grinds, you said you're preparing, you're getting yourself ready. Um, so we've seen a lot of volatility in which some of that has hopefully paid off, but how have you managed to navigate through the volatility we've seen in the past little bit here? Yeah, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm gonna repeat myself, but it's the same thing. It's working with the team, you know, looking at different opportunities all the time, right? So, you know, last year I've talked about that at Vision 2023, you know, Netflix, Meta, Adidas, fell into what my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. You know, right now they're they're less contrarian ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So what I have I worked on here to date, video game stocks in January, mm -hmm. those were contrarian ideas. You know, they've had an amazing COVID and they were having a really rough like post COVID where um, on the revenue side they have to compete for dollars versus people going out and about to restaurants and travel. And on the cost side, the costs are really bad because a uh, video game, basically, industry doesn't work working from home. Mm -hmm. um, you need to be in person. It's been a problem, so all the games have been delayed. So stocks like, for example, EA and Ubisoft got really cheap. In March, we had, obviously, what happened with the regional bank crisis, right? So that, and we can talk about that more if you're interested. But that created, obviously, opportunities in financials. So for about two weeks, all I did, it, it's not really, uh, you know, something I do a lot of, but you can work really, really hard on financials. Recently, it's been U.S. transportation stocks. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all on conference calls talking about recession, so that's already somewhat discounted. Just depends how bad it's going to be. There's a huge destocking happening in the United States right now. Walmart has too much stuff. Target has too much stuff. Nike has too much stuff. So the destocking for them sometimes for transport is worse than the recession because, you know, in aggregate demand might fall 4%, but destocking might fall down 10 or 20 so they're living a really, they're going through a really tough time right now. If you look at U.S. rails, for example, they've been tough, tough relative stocks the last two years. They should be uh, better, they, sh they are good businesses, so they should normally beat the market over time. Their relative P makes sense. They're already talking about recession on the conference calls. So yes, it might get worse. It can always get worse. But, you know, 
I think they're within 20, 25% of a really, really great, like, I don't want to say generational, but like multi-year buying opportunities, so we're not far, so I already own them. So you're always hopping from one thing to the next. So that's why I don't like predicting, you know, what's going to happen to the market this year or whatnot. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. I certainly don't know. My, my, my crystal ball is foggier than anybody. <laughs> and so, you know, but you know that you're always trying to get ahead by focusing on what's out of favor right now. And sometimes you work on stuff that's out of favor, and it's like, ah, that's not for me, and that's okay. Um, but sometimes you find something that's really for you that makes sense, and um, you think you can double your money over three to five years, and if that's the case, that's gonna beat the stock market, and um, that's, that's when you lean in. Absolutely, so video games you touched on, US Rails, and then you mentioned the regional banks, which we've been talking a lot about today, but that sounds like a contrarian opportunity since a lot of other portfolio managers have said they want to steer clear. So, thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, uh, I'm, I'm staying away from regional banks. Um, what, I, what I've done, which is maybe a little bit controversial, but what I've been doing is focusing on, on active, um, alternative managers and private equities. So, you know, the all financial complex is going down, right? So the one area that I think is a little bit easier for us to put a pin into value is on alternative managers, traditional managers, uh, private equity. Now, if you have a private equity company, I'm making this up, they have 50 investments. Most, most of the time, the debt is stuck with the subsidiary. So it doesn't kick back to the shareholders on top. So you can't get wiped out like you can in a bank. So even if they have four investments out of 50 that are really difficult, they can take the loss and move on. So I think there's some opportunities there. I think there's also some opportunities in Canada where there's uh, potentially some, some potential change. I think we had some today, actually, some news on that. So, you know, that's, where we're, that's what I've been focused on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe at some point I'll focus on other things. But for me, for now, my increase in financial exposure has been more to asset managers because they're also going down, but, and people don't like them, and I understand why. But I also think that I'm not gonna get totally wiped out like you could in, in a bank. That's fair. I also just wanna remind everyone, please feel free to uh, send your questions in for Hugo, either here in the, the room or online. Um, you know, you were talking about some Canadian opportunities. Canadian opportunities was in fact your first fund that you have with us, focused on small and mid cap. So are you seeing any of those smaller mid cap opportunities across all three of your mandates? It was launched, I think, in July 2000 by Max Lemire. You know, right now we have a soft close because we want to protect our own returns for the future. And over time, we've added uh, Dollarama, which has been an unbelievable stock for um, Darren and, and Max. Shopify, who Mark was really early on. Uh, Bread Delay as well. You know, for me, Constellation Software. Like, I think we can build these global companies in Canada. I think we have a tendency to sell ourselves a little bit uh, short. You know, Connexus has been a really good story recently in Canada. And Max Lemieux and I are, are invested in a Montreal private one, which we think is really interesting. I think that's one of the secret, not only of me, but like secret of all of Fidelity, uh, to be able to lean in into these multi-year stories mm -hmm. that you can literally be shareholders for 25 years, and they just compound at a clip. And uh, we try to really, really focus on those uh, securities. I was going to say, if it's in Canada, you know about it and you will act if it's ready. To yeah, act. and it's not just about me, right? It's about the whole team, right? And I think that's important to, to talk about that, right? So we have nine Canadian analysts and they focus on that all the time. Mm -hmm. 
um, and plus all the other resources we have. So I think we, we do a really, really good job there. And I think, you know, it has to be a big part of our success in the next 10 or 15 years. You, you know, you want dispersion. You want to be able to find a couple of stocks that are absolute monsters. And I think we can build them as a society. And, um, and that's why I'm optimistic that even sometimes it feels like K-Ops, oh, it can be such a limited, limiting universe. Um, we just, we can't miss those opportunities. You got it. You took over, or not took over, we had climate leadership launch about two years ago that you've been the manager of recently. Um, and maybe on the back of the conversation around volatility and commodity oil prices, themes like renewable, electric cars have been a topic. Um, so what's your view on these themes? And you know, have there been any other themes that are attractive to you right now? I think the themes as relevant as always. I mean, the one thing I would say maybe to think about climate leadership a little bit differently, think about three circles. I've been talking about two, right? So fundamental good story, contrarian story, and add like a climate angle. Mm -hmm. And if you have the intersection of those three circles, that Venn diagram, and that's what I've been telling to the team, I can't miss those stocks. So, you know, to be looking globally for those opportunities, I think U.S. transportation is an opportunity that fits there right now. I've talked about decarbonization winner, 75% mm -hmm. uh, less carbon than trucking. I've talked about good mm -hmm. fundamental story, and they're contrarian because they talk about recession, the quarters aren't good, and they're cheap. So, you know, I'm really, really focused on those. So that'd be a way to maybe think a little bit differently about climate leadership. The success I want to build over the future is to think about these three circles and that little box when there's that intersection, try really hard not to miss those uh, situations. We had talked about uh, prior to the session, you commented around the energy transition and becoming an energy security issue. If you can maybe just elaborate on that for the group today, I thought that was really fascinating. Yes, yeah, so, you know, the one thing I've said in the past, and I'll say it again, is there's not enough freedom-loving, energy-producing, energy-exporting countries like Canada and the United States. And, um, and unfortunately, the world's getting smaller, and nobody wants to be, you know, what the Germans were facing over the winter. People want to control their own destiny. Like, energy security, is, is, you know, now is aligned with kind of the de decarbonization trend, like people need solutions. So energy security is national security. So like nuclear, for example, right? And I own one or two names in the fund. You know, people were really too negative on nuclear post Fukushima. And look, it's easy for me to say because I don't live within 100 kilometers of a nuclear power plant, not that I know of at least. Um, so it's easy for me to promote nuclear. But if you look at what happened post Fukushima, which is a little sad from a climate perspective, is all the growth in renewable just went to replace uh, the shutdowns in nuclear. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, has changed uh, because of what happened a year ago. So there's going to be a nuclear renaissance. The companies are talking about it. The engineering companies are talking about it. So we're also seeing how we can profit from that um, in the fund. But, you know, it sucks to be at the mercy of those rogue regimes. So, you know, I think we're very privileged here in Canada. There's some, there's some countries like Japan, they're just completely energy short. Mm -hmm. So they need solutions. And, um, and I think that just kind of meshes with, uh, you know, decarbonization renewables. So that's one thing that we're focused on. Excellent. Um, we have a question from our uh, folks watching online. On the top of privates, do you invest in private companies? How does the private market look like to you these days or look to you these days? 
Yeah, as, as a general comment, expensive. <laughs> like, uh, you know, we mark the market every day, and then you have discussion with these folks like, oh, my God, like, you guys don't mark the market. Um, so, uh, you know, privates can be interesting. Mm -hmm. We've done a few. We, we have a good setup. We have um, uh, a woman called Liz Chow um, who takes care of private markets for us. She's great. So once, you know, we decide that we're going to invest, she runs with the ball and tries to bring it across the finish line. We have Ryan Tribble, who's our lawyer there. There's a lot of legal work that goes into those. So, you know, we keep trying to finance those companies because, frankly, we want to make a lot of money, but also, frankly, we, I think we have a tendency in Canada to sell them too quickly to Americans. Um, and I think we want to help those companies, you know, flourish. So uh, it's something that I do. It's not the core of what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, right now, it can be a little frustrating, the, the private markets, because they, they don't mark the market, so they keep prices way too high. But sometimes there'll be some opportunities. I think that we can try to, try to have a differentiate returns. And if we can nail one or two over my career, it's really going to help on having differentiated returns. So we're trying. We're trying really hard. Excellent. Anything to make a difference. Exciting news. We've talked a bit about it today. May 25th, we are launching the Greater Canada Mandate in an ETF series. Tell me, what does that mean to you as a PM? Well, for, as a PM, it won't make a huge difference. No, as a PM, uh, yeah. So that's great. Um, so, but I'm really excited because anytime Fidelity breaks down a barrier for somebody to say no, you know, that's a reason to say no to us. Oh, I only do ETFs or, or whatever. Every time we can break one of those barriers, I think it's amazing. You know, I think hopefully you've had a pleasant experience today. Uh, with Fidelity, I think we have a really good team. I mean, there's really special people that you've heard from today. Um, so, you know, we have, we, we've built a really, I think, pretty awesome team and we have differentiated returns. So sometimes it's a little sad when people don't own, say, Mark, you know, over time or, or Dan or Don or whoever. You know, right now, I guess we're going with uh, uh, Innovators, Kane Large Cap, Greater Canada, and also Connor and Chris, who yeah. I think the people online have heard uh, from today, who are doing an awesome job with their new product, right? So, so just anytime we can break down any of these barriers to our advisors helping their clients have access to our product, I think it's great. So um, I actually have pretty high hopes for this product, so hopefully it'll do really well. Um, and hopefully, if it's successful, we can launch more over time. You got it. It's all about providing choice. So as you mentioned, Greater Canada, Canadian Large Cap, Global Innovators, and Global Small Cap Opportunities is going to be available on May 25th. We have one minute left. Any final thoughts for our audience here today? No, it's 6.40 East Coast time. So uh, if they've, people have stayed this long, thank you very much. Thanks for being in that room. <laughs> and I uh, hope you had a great day. And uh, it's really awesome to see uh, clients back in person. Excellent. It's great to see you back in person. Thank okay. you for being here with us. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. Fidelity mutual funds and ETFs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account. Visit fidelity.ca slash how to buy for more information. While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. See you next time.